bigger and different, creating responsible AI. I'm Tanya Hall, and joining me is Ben Cox, Director of Product Marketing at H2O.ai. Welcome, Ben. Hey, nice to be here. What is H2O.ai known for, and what do you do in your role there? Yeah, so H2O really started in the open source AI business. So, you know, think of Python R packages to, you know, really democratize AI and make, you know, the leading, bleeding edge AI models available. Uh, we're also known for driverless AI, one of our enterprise platform products that does automated machine learning um, and rapidly accelerates the artificial intelligence machine learning workflow. Um, what I do there is I'm director of product marketing and I lead responsible AI research and thought leadership. So part of my job is doing research on, you know, fairness, accountability, transparency, ethics. Um, and then the other half of my job is around sort of product strategy, product marketing, and figuring out where we go next. We discuss ethics and bias in AI here often. As an evangelist for responsible AI, how is responsible AI bigger and different? Yeah, so we started at H2O from an explainability perspective. You know, how can we take a machine learning model that's been built and explain what it's doing, why it's coming to the decisions that, that it did. But in recent years, the field has expanded dramatically. And the way that we kind of think about it is from a people process technology perspective. It's not just about explaining models after they've been built. It's around where is data coming from? Who's overseeing it? How are you building the models? And all these key features that really help you understand and, and have real ethical practices when you're starting to build and deploy these models, um, you know, predictive, predictive decisions, right? The COVID-19 pandemic has made AI a, a, an actually a pretty important tool in app-based tracking and facial recognition to, to identify those who, who may be at risk or uh, of an infection or even uh, others who they might need to keep a distance from, right? So this is also raising a lot of privacy concerns. How can responsible AI help alleviate uh, these, these types of concerns? Yeah, so facial recognition is a good one because I think in the last few weeks or months, big tech has very, you know, all of their facial recognition products and initiatives had largely been kind of stopped because I think we quickly realized facial recognition is a very dangerous area. Um, responsible AI, a lot of the building blocks are from GDPR and that's a, considering a lot of the data privacy, protection, security policies that you need to consider about what ultimately feeds into a model. So one of the baseline assumptions that we think about with Responsible AI is compliance with all of the major regulations that exist, GDPR being one of them. So, you know, how are you sourcing data or, you know, was what's feeding into the model being uh, acquired correctly and is being used ethically? And facial recognition is one of these classic examples that it's almost never appropriate. Um, and with COVID, a lot of questions are being asked on how we can respond, how can we deploy technology, but facial recognition is definitely one where there's a lot of big players saying this shouldn't be where we start. How do you train AI to be free from bias and, and then test it to actually confirm you've succeeded? Yeah, so, well, it's a million dollar question, right? And I don't think it'll ever be perfectly solved. I think a lot of people have asked, okay, when is responsible AI done? And I don't think it ever will be. I think what you have to do and the best like responsible machine learning workflow involves being very statistically rigorous in how you feed in data, thinking about where it came from, 
is the sample balanced? What were the processes of collection? Because a very classic saying in this business is garbage in, garbage out. So you have to know the quality, the, you know, the security, the ethics of the data feeding in. And then once you finally trained your model, you can do all this kind of post hoc analysis. And one of the ones that we use and build around is called disparate impact, right? So, you know, when you think about the Equal Credit Opportunity Act, there's all these protected classes of, you know, you know, ethnicity, gender, marital status, age, education, like things that you should not be using to make a decision. And you can use disparate impact analysis or sensitivity analysis to see were those features actually affecting the decisions. And then if that's the case, you go back and you unwind that and make sure those data points aren't relevant. You make sure things that are replicating those data points also aren't relevant. That's the, that's the starting place. You mentioned one of the tenets of responsible AI is that it's transparent. How do you make it possible for people to see inside the algorithmic opaque box? Yeah, so the, the good news on that is that a lot of progress has been made, right? I think there was this long period where deep learning took off and everybody assumed, okay, deep learning will be always be the best model and we're just willing to sacrifice transparency for accuracy. But now with tabular data, you know, not talking about images, not talking about, you know, voice or something, that trade-off doesn't need, that trade-off doesn't exist anymore, right? So we can get just as accurate as leading deep learning models for tabular data with transparent models like like GBMs or boosted trees and, and, and XG boost and stuff like that. So you can actually get the right amount of performance with models that you can ultimately explain. And some of the ways that you kind of do that are the one that I mentioned, with, which is disparate impact, but other ones like, you know, feature importance, Shapley values to see what is kind of moving the needle in the weightings of certain predictions. Um, and then you can kind of explain how that model went through a decision tree to ultimately land on the conclusion that it did. So there's a lot of great tools that we can use after the fact to see why a decision was made. What are some of the features in an AI toolkit that promote responsibility? Yeah, so we started at H2O from a technology perspective and a math perspective. So we, we came to the conclusion that things like Shapley values, K-Lime, um, you know, variable feature importance, disparate impact, sensitivity analysis, um, surrogate decision trees were like our technology component. But it's a much bigger question and much bigger problem than that, right? I think it's, you have to think about it like a bank thinks about their model risk management structure, which is what is the team around, you know, who built the model, who sourced the data, who reviewed the model, who documented the model, and what are the processes? Is it, is it documented? Is it organized? Is there, is there you know, a nice governance framework around all of the data scientists building these predictive models? Because you know, the toolkits are, are only useful if you have good practices around them. So you can have the, all of the tools available, but if people don't use them and don't use them to actually be rigorously reviewing their models, it's kind of pointless, right? So it's, it's a much bigger question, but we started at tech and worked backwards. Ben Cox, Director, Product Marketing, at h2o.ai. If somebody wants to connect with you, Ben, how can they do that? Yeah, so Twitter is great, um, at Benjamin H. Cox. Sounds good. Thanks again for joining us. Thanks so much. And find more of my interviews right here or at tanyahall.net. Thanks for watching.